Welcome to the School for Disruptors. This is episode 11, and it's all about how we start things. For our first episode of 2021, Kimberly and I decided we would talk about what it means to start, to start goals, to start new projects. We talk about playfulness, creative energy, what it means to be in community, and then what it means to defy other people's expectations of us when we start something that seems outside of our character or outside of how people have preconceived notions of us. We talk about a lot, and I think it's inspiring and encouraging, and I hope you think so too. So wherever you are, um, congratulations, you made it to the new year, and I hope this is the year that you start that thing that you've wanted to start for a really long time but maybe needed a little nudge to do so. What happens when two boss women link up for sisterhood and perspective? The School for Disruptors, a weekly podcast hosted by Dr. Kimberly McLan and Dr. Sarah Goulish. This dope digital space is dedicated to vulnerable conversations about self-awareness, self-definition, and of course, all kinds of disruption. Listen as we inspire each other and we hope you. Start. To begin to work on, produce, or give attention to something. And that is the doing. That is the trying, and that is the doing. Start. Is start. I, um... Remember the start of 2020? <laughs> Everyone was like, 2020, it's 2020, be my vision, year. this yeah. is the year. Yeah. And then... And it was like, wah, wah, wah. <laughs> it is, but it has been a year. This it is the has. other thing, too, right? Is yeah. that we, however we see a situation at the end is always about what we what we chose to take out of it. Mm. And that is where our power lies. Mm-hmm. And, I, and that's something I have to tap ever more deeply into is like, you know, the idea of... of what 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 can we choose? What can we choose? We can choose our takeaway, right? That's what we can choose, and and I think in choosing those takeaways, it, there is oftentimes, and this goes with all endings, all things that don't go the way we want them to. There is a there. What will come is a new a new ground for something else, and that's where starting to takes place is in that new fertile ground. Mm. If we choose to see it that way. Yeah, I love that idea of a fertile ground. Um, do you do New Year's resolutions? Um, I don't. I do like an end of the year reflection and I'll do like some goals for the year. And don't get me, my goals get pretty damn specific. Uh, it's like <laughs> January, February, March, April. You know, they're like pretty, Yeah, they can be pretty, but they get, they get more and more expansive. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I do try to think about, about that. I don't know that I have like the same, I don't know how I'll be approaching goals this year. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. Well, if you're a goal-oriented person and you're always making goals anyway, it probably feels no different. I do like the idea of New Year's resolutions. Mm -hmm. Even if they don't work out, there's just something about it. This year I will. Is that how you frame them? I guess so. I think we definitely talk about it in our family. Like, what is your resolution for the new year? I just always like fresh beginnings. I mean, part of being a teacher is always getting a fresh start at what you're doing, a new school year. I love the rhythms of that. Um, I love ridiculous New Year's resolutions. Like one year I had a New Year's resolution to do a split by the end of the year. Oh, that's fun. I didn't do it. (laughs) I mean, I worked on it. I never got to it. But just this idea that there's always this like skill or something I'm trying to do better in the back of my mind. Yeah. No, I don't, I don't, I don't know that, I don't have to think about that idea of doing resolutions. I do know that 
you know, reflecting back on 2020, there were so many things that I started. Mm. It was like, there's a lot. And like in everything that I started, like opening up the storefront and like starting a, sh- a physical shop and mm-hmm. starting this podcast. And mm-hmm. um, I don't know. I'll, what else did I try to start? I don't know. There's so many things. I think everything is a, is a try, even if it's not like this big grand thing. Mm-hmm. I think even the, the, the smaller things of like directing a shoot or, you know. Um, being a more present parent. It's all just about the try. Yeah. And I think if we don't keep that at the top of our mind, then we are paralyzed by our fear of the what if. And, yes. And, and start, and as I think about this new year and all the opportunities it has for us to 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 take on something that, that still feels hard, the only way we get there is if we start. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've been realizing this past year, and I'm wondering if this is where we could even offer – what's worked for us because I think we're similar in the sense that we try things that we don't know what the outcome will be. Um, I think there's a lot of perfectionism. Yes. The perfectionism will tell you that until you get it to this very specific point, you can't even try. And I'm wondering what is helpful for someone who's feeling that way. Um, someone who's feeling like they have this thing they want to do, this area they want to play in, this move they want to make, this step they want to take, but there's a lot of unknowns that go with it. So how do you get from that space to the space of just jumping in and doing it? I think one thing that I've learned is that no matter how vulnerable you are in the pursuit of something that feels good to your soul, there's always going to be a sense of uncertainty about outcomes because part of being human on this longer journey is that there's so much we can't control. Mm-hmm. And that means that that's, that's where, that, that's where the, the tension is going to lie. That's where the stress is going to come from. That's where the fear is going to crop in is really, I think, in what is ultimately our lack of a sense of control. We'll, we're going to try. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna create something. And I think that there's also something you said about creating something for, just for you and then choosing to share that thing with just a few people who you, whose who's, um, affirmation you know you can count on or whose feedback you know that you value. And then growing that circle of expansion until it's truly a public thing. And then by the time you make it public, quote unquote, you realize you already made it public. Yeah. It's been public. You know, the minute that you released it, it was public. That is the publishing, is the is the is the, the trying the thing, is the making the thing, and then that first kind of sharing. And, and as a teacher, as a teacher of writing, we talk about sharing what you've created as an act of publishing. And and there's something so much scary, so so many scaries around, so much fear around that idea of, of being public. But mm. the, but that's the I think that's the thing we have to challenge ourselves on the most is like. What if someone sees this thing? What if they what if they don't like it? What if they do? And instead of choosing in that place of the very first start that it will be rejected, that it won't be enough, another wild idea is to presume that it will be loved, that mm. it will be valued, that it will inspire someone else. And I think if we focus on that, that there's this other choice we can make about a positive outcome, I think that that can inspire us to start. To just, yeah. to just, you know, try. That is so true. Yeah, I've been reflecting a lot on my business and how much rejection I got when I brought the idea up to people. But I also got some folks who are really excited about it. And I kind of chose to listen to them <laughs> and see what happened. But 
had I leaned into the people who thought it was crazy or just beneath them even, I got a lot of that, just like kind of turning their nose down on what I was trying to build. Um, I wouldn't have started. And that doesn't mean that in the people who turn their nose down or turn their noses up or don't turn their noses away, <laughs> right, that, that that there's nothing that's helpful in... Is it turn their nose up? I'm sorry. You know, sometimes they, they turn their nose up like they're looking down on you. Yeah. Right? Like, like that. Is that <laughs> I, it? I'm making things right up. Now? Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, it's all good. With those fools, those fools, those yeah. folks, there doesn't mean there's anything, there's nothing of, of usefulness, of utility to us in their... And their criticisms, yeah. like because sometimes those criticisms is just like, wow, that was like a, okay, that was valid. That's something I, I didn't, I hadn't thought about, yep. and you know, there may be some merit to that. But to your point, I think that the the voices that we should amplify are the ones are that are the ones belonging to the people who we know are rooting for us to live our best lives. Mm. Screw all the rest. Screw the rest. Like they're not even here for you. They're not here for your show. They're not. They're not standing in your corner except for to create shade. We cannot listen to them. They are not here to empower us. They are not our friends. They are not our allies. They are not our people. And they are not going to get us where we want to be in the pursuit of living our fullest lives. Mm. And that is the part of the start. It's like part of it is the internal work of making that first like commitment to, ah, you know what, I'm just going to mess around. I'm going to play. Mm-hmm. And then it's about, you know, seeking affirmation and validation from places where you know there's a well of it for you. And that becomes assessing who in your tribe, who in your family, who in your friend circles, you know, you can count on to offer you some encouragement and some positivity. And when we're starting things, that's where we must lean in that direction. Yeah. And to that point, which I think is a great point, I think a lot of us get fixed in identities that others have built for us. And so starting something and redefine even to a simple point of saying, okay, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna wear red lipstick now. Like that's gonna be me. That's my look. I wanna play with it. I know everyone in my circle would be like, what are you wearing red lipstick now? That's who you are. You know, and that's kind of a silly example, but just this idea that I think we also have fear of our identities being fixed, which is why I think when students go off to college or we go and we take a move, and we have this chance to reinvent ourselves, you see all of these new identities emerging because we don't feel trapped to be whatever box we've put ourselves in or other people have put us in. And I think a lot of us are afraid to start because it's gonna be redefining people's perceptions of us. And that was so hard for me, even when I launched Grand Boulevard and I lost a lot of friends in it. Like there are people who I thought would be validating and affirming and one, one takeaway I got from that identity switch, which in ways it wasn't an identity switch, on the outside it looked like an identity switch, like you're a teacher, what do you mean you're a designer? What do you mean you wanna be a, a, an entrepreneur? And I think for some people who had boxed me into like where, where they needed me to be mm. for them, right? It was people who like, they wanted me to stay a teacher because they wanted to stay a teacher. And so their construct of what that community looked like for them relied on me playing a role. I, they needed me to be a, a, play a part in their lives. And I think that sometimes that identity switch is telling someone else, how whatever identity you've imposed upon me to shore up your identity doesn't work for me. Mm-hmm. And there is some, there's, there's some, there's, there's some, some, some tight, it gets a little tight in that way. Mm-hmm. But I, but what I, what I learned was that what emerged for me when I decided to listen to the people who were affirming 
was that I, what actually sprung up was a whole new crop of people who see me how I want to be seen now. Mm. And that has been so liberating. Yes. I feel so similar in all the ways. Yeah. I, I mean, I feel like I have had a mirrored existence in that way. I also wonder if people are afraid to start because they assume it has to be finished. I mean, that's, I mean, in the last episode, we were talking about the novel that I wrote. And, it, and, and, I, and, that's, and that's a different part in this journey of the starting, right? Because I think mm-hmm. the other thing is about the start is it's such a, it's not, there's not one place. Mm-hmm. Like starting is something that actually happens over and over and over again, even when you're committed to a project, mm-hmm. right? So like the start is like, I'm going to write the first page, the first sentence, the first chapter. I'm going to write the, the, the second chapter. I'm going to write the set of chapters. I'm going to write the conclusion. I'm going to edit it. I'm going to share it. Those are all starts, mm-hmm. right? So I think one other thing we have to do is break up with this notion that the start is a finite, one-term thing. Mm. It's a moving target. And, and I think as we get more comfortable with the lifting of that moving target, then we can do the, you know, we get stronger. And then it's like, oh, I can start a thousand times. The, yeah. there's, the fun, there's fun in starting. Yeah, and what what is the end goal of the thing that you're starting? Is it that it lives in space in the way that you've conceived of it in your mind? Because it never actually will. Like the way that we conceive of projects, um, once we start making them, it will always be different than how we had envisioned it because Things will change. Things, you know, we'll, we'll discover limitations. We'll discover new possibilities if we're collaborating with people especially. And so being okay with that I think is really important. We talk about this all the time in the class that I teach, Creativity and Collaboration. You know, sometimes students end a unit and they don't have anything to show for it in terms of a finished product because they had to reimagine their idea so many times along the way. But they put in the work and they learned through it and they do really well on their grade because the the goal wasn't that they perfectly execute the thing that they had said they were going to do. It's that they engage in the process of whatever we're discovering. And I think that's really hard for us to remember. What a beautiful thing to learn in school. You know, I think <laughs> I about they... all of the things that it's like, why are we teaching these kids these things? This not happening. This is totally useless. But I think this idea of... of it's so it's so phenomenal to me and so fantastic that you, that that's what kids get. You know, like in your class they get creativity and collaboration. In my class they get colonialism. Mm. I mean, these kids are set up for the win. Okay? They have all their seeds okay? going. They, are, they have all. They are learning about marginalization, the American story, how to. You know, like it's like yeah. they're like all the things. Like, what are y'all doing when y'all graduate? Because y'all are set up to just be amazing. <laughs> um, and for those of you who are listening, who are my former students, I, I, I'm sure you're amazing, and I, I'm glad that you have some takeaways. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I totally think that that uh, so much of what you said resonates with me, and 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 yet starting is even though I you know looking back on all the ways I've started, and I will say this, it may sound like it feels easy for me, it mm-hmm. feels easy for me now, mm-hmm. right? And 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 it feels hard for me now too, mm-hmm. right? Like I don't want that to get don't I don't want to get that twisted. Like looking back, I know that there are lessons in starting, mm-hmm. and I know that ultimately my ambition for starting is always, and it has been, and it's grown. It's a muscle that I've grown in the last. Mm-hmm four years is what is my dream 
-hmm. What is my real dream for my life? You know, like in the last episode, we talked about setting intention for 2021. And and so much of that, and as we go into this new year, as we're walking into this new year, sitting on the beginning of it, is for me, what are our really biggest dreams? And then it's like, are we? do we really want them? Do we really think we deserve them? Do we think we're entitled to them? And we won't know that unless we start. Mm. We won't. We will never know. We will trap ourselves into lives that are reduced, not because the universe said we couldn't have it, not because God or the Creator said you weren't, you weren't, you weren't entitled or good enough, because of our own internal work of not going for the gold. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, and obviously, this is also whenever we talk about this sort of thing, I acknowledge that. Having space and time and resources to play in areas outside of our job, our day-to-day, or our taking care of our family is also a privilege. Yes, it is. And I feel for, you know, I just think about our city that we live in in Philadelphia and, and what 2020 has been for so many families and, like, hearing this conversation might think, like, how am I supposed to start anything? Like, I am just barely scraping by. Um, But I do think even within the small amount of time that we have, investing our minds and our energies into something that we're really passionate about that may not be for this day, but maybe for 10 years from now is valuable. And it's like you're saying we can hold ourselves back from realizing that. And that's about a mindset. Yeah. And mindset, you know, even in the face of a struggle, and this, and you know, like as a as a kid who come who came from so much struggle, mm-hmm. I feel like I know this personally, that there it can be a deep and a, 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 a massive, a deep rooted, massive seed of frustration and resentment and disappointment around knowing what your dreams are and really being conditioned to feel like they are beyond your reach. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's this old cliche saying that for me, it still just remains true, right? Which is like, even if I don't shoot for the moon, right? And even if I don't get there, I'll land among the stars. We, we have to, and, I, and I, this is my, my wish, is that we are all better able to figure out how to really make our directional push the moon. Mm-hmm. And, and despite all of that, that massive seed of disappointment and frustration and resentment, which is so real for so many of us and a lot, for a lot of different reasons, and a lot of different real reasons is is the work that we can do. What is within our control is where we set our sights, and 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 realizing that you know sometimes the things that particularly when we're children that we think are the things for us, being a professional athlete or being a professional singer, that that may be um, that may be a far it may seem like it lives in a faraway galaxy. That doesn't mean you can't pr- commit yourself to finding the joy in singing in the bathroom. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean yes. you can't commit yourself to the joy of of running, right? At, for a sake of, of keeping your body fit, of feeling it physically strong. So, you know, it's, it's being real clear about, for us, what is your due north? For you, what is your due north? And making sure that you're, you're carving out dedicated time in your life for your due north. And as you said earlier, it's many starts. It's tying those sneakers every morning you decide to go for a jog. Yep. It's not that one, you know, Olympic medal. It is so many starts that led to whatever that goal is, that 
shooting for the moon. It's funny you say that. Kids and their dreams. My daughter just told me the other day she wants to grow up and be a mozzarella pizza. Wow. So <laughs> when you're talking about professional singer, I'm like, she's shooting real low. She- <laughs> <laughs> or in this nebulous. Or it's a mozzarella. You know, yeah. yeah, identity-less, genderless, you know, existence. Right, whatever you know, it whatever. is. Who knows? What's at in the heart of that? In a two-year-old's brain. Exactly. Uh, I think something that I really was struck by when I went to Peru. Mm -hmm. So I went to Peru in 2009, and we were driving around the town that we were going to be in, and I noticed most of the homes and buildings had rebar sticking out from the top. So they would have, you know, one story or two story, and then all of this rebar sticking out, Um, which when you look amongst the landscape of homes is very striking. It's just like these spiky homes everywhere. Um, the the metal the metal pieces the basically the bones of when you're using concrete and you're so rebar is like the the strong I'm gonna if you're a construction worker listening to this please be patient do not yeah <laughs> <laughs> don't judge me but it's like the metal rods that serve as the framework for whenever you're pouring concrete or you're building in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that was sufficient. Thank you. So it looks like little metal spikes are sticking Mm -hmm, up mm -hmm. outside the house. And I remember asking the person we were with who was Peruvian saying, like, why why do the houses all look like this? He was like, oh, just in case they ever want to make another floor. And it made me realize, like, even in our culture, we don't see unfinished things often. Like, if a house is being built... How many houses do you see that are half-built just hanging out? It just doesn't happen. Usually if something is started, it's finished. Um, and I think that that mindset is kind of like pervasive in all of our culture. Whereas um, even in how we cook, right? We make something and then it's done and we have it for that meal. Versus what you see in a lot of other cultures where there's a constant tending of, you know, the the sourdough mother for your bread or there's a constant tending of the food that's going to nourish your family for the month or sowing and reaping and not knowing what you're going to reap so there's more of like a cyclical nature of what it means to make and yeah. create i think about from the lens of fashion where it's like you make a garment and then you're, you pass it on and then you patch it and then you cut it and then you turn it into a cloth for the kitchen and then you turn it into a sock you know like there's this sense of like transformation Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And do we see that much in our culture? I feel like we see you have something, you use it, it's done. And then you throw it away. Yes. Yeah. And so how do we change that mindset that starting does not have to be cut and dry in terms of where it goes? I think that that is, I think it's challenging, but I think it's a, it's worth work doing. Um, and I think that part of this is is that as children in this culture it's so it becomes our schooling so quickly indoctrinates us in product Mm. that we are not conditioned to think about imagining or reimagining like that gets killed very quickly for us Mm -hmm. right it gets replaced by these these classes that are supposed to prepare us for a college education that none of us can afford and that few of us will actually be able to you know get a job in where we can pay back the debt that we've had so that's like some there are these massive um, institutional failures like that's just, just let's just be frank about it and I think that one of those failures is the way that we're conditioned as children to move away from meaningful collaboration meaningful creativity and ultimately failure mm. 
like we we are so hard on each on as teachers we're hard on kids when they fail and we we have a you know and that's how we're conditioned as teachers to kind of to work with students i think is like with a lot less patience and that's something that as even as a teacher i have to constantly fight back against um and i think that that gets embedded in us as we grow even once we leave our k through 12 experience into college and then going into the workplace most so much of this is about conformity and conformity so much of conformity is about being is being uh in my opinion is about being stuck mm. and i and and this you know a lot of these these corporate machines need us to kind of they need to create some sense that we have some movement but really it's all within the confines of like a of like a a role that oftentimes are not aligned with our souls mm. and i think that the real work of the starting and this is the hardest work of the starting is soul work because i think that once we really figure out what we want to do in ourselves, then we, I think we can get more and more comfortable with giving ourselves permission, our true selves, our soul selves, permission to, to explore and to get it wrong in the pursuit of getting it right. Mm. That's so great. Because it is true, we're often set on paths where it's what are we good at? Like what is our utility? Yep. And then capitalize on that utility. Yes. Not what lights up your soul. <laughs> And that's why we have so a, we have a massive social crisis of unhappiness, of depression and misery and anxiety, because we have to fight against a conditioning that doesn't center our inner, our innards, in, in in our in our lives. You know, it doesn't center that. It centers these other things, and that's why it's it's that's the hardest part of starting. I think is actually being clear about what you want to do. Mm-hmm. about where you want to play. That's the hardest part of the starting. Once you get clear on that, then you get excited. And I think that that's what my experience has always been as a creative, is that like it's only hard until I get really fired up and motivated and, and, and personally, deeply personally inspired that this is, this is going to be, I want to play. I want to, I want to give, I really want to see what happens when, mm-hmm. because I want to see what happens when. And I, I don't want to see it for anybody else. I want to see it happen because it's aligned to my why. Mm. Yeah. One other practical piece of advice for starting, I think, would be to collaborate with someone who yes, wants to do something yes, similar. Yes. Because having that sounding board affirms, but it also pushes you along. And I find it so much easier to do collaborative projects in that sense. I mean, this podcast, you know, it's it's such a give and take and... I, and wanting to do it with the other person also motivates the project along. Yes. And I think that it, it gives you someone to help you be accountable. Mm-hmm. It gives you someone who, if you are really strategic about who you choose to collaborate with, it gives you someone who has a skill, has skills that are not your skills. Mm-hmm. And then there's a, because there's this beautiful new mixture of skills, that's where the magic comes in. Is that is that mixing of skills. So I do think part of the starting for I, I, my favorite part projects, all of them have all been they've all of my creative projects have collaborative in one way or another even if i'm like working on that novel at some point it's like i handed it over to people who were readers mm-hmm. and they gave me feedback and i was able to work that in but that yeah. was an act of collaboration yeah i think that that makes the starting so so much easier when it's done in community right mm-hmm. collaboration is really about community and and as humans i think generally that's what makes 
for the the most incredible projects are formed from community. Mm-hmm. That's the biggest thing I've learned this past year, as I've been um, seeking out publishing projects for my company, and I've gotten a little bit bold and reaching out to people who um, I was nervous to talk to, and who had already you know created this great big following. They have incredible content, so why should they want to work with me? is, you know, one kind of pushback that was happening in my brain. And then when I talk to these people, and this has happened a few times, where they they have a project in their brain, they're just afraid to either do it or they don't know if it has value. And in my mind, like looking at all of these external metrics, I'm thinking like, how could you not see that you have value? Look at your platform, look at your voice, look at how people are, you know, interacting with you on social media and all these things. Of course, of course you have value, but they haven't had the person outside of them just say, you need to start this. This needs to exist in the world. Or the person who whose validation they needed the most, mm. right? And I think that sometimes that's a hard thing. It's a hard thing to get clear on whose validation you, you really need the most. Um, I actually think that's, for me, that feels very tender, that idea of, like, feeling so unsure of your worth, you know, or, like, and I think that that is a major mental block for starting is not feeling like you're good enough Mm. and you know we talk about the tenderness around acknowledging how privilege factors into ability to start but I think that you know feelings of not of not being enough of not being good enough creative enough you know strong enough that is something I have a a deep sense of, of tenderness around because I think that that's another one of those interior blocks that we have to make space for dealing with with a sense of real kindness for ourselves so that we can we can offer ourselves a counter narrative to that so that we can hear why do we think we're not enough why do we think our creativity isn't enough why do we think that our ideas don't have value and and that that again you know that I think that's another really hard part of starting is that work of saying to yourself validating yourself affirming yourself that my imaginings, they have value, and and my dreams are they have potential, and and my community wants to see me, you know, live boldly, and and I think that that is, I think that that's a a beautiful a beautiful beautiful journey. We had a songwriting contest this year. And one of the students who won, so there's three students who have won and were working on arranging their songs. The one student who won, she wrote her first song last year in the guitar class I taught her in. It was so beautiful. And she's found this beautiful space in songwriting. Um, and sh- the song she submitted for the songwriting competition, the mel- the lyric of the chorus is it feels like i've been left behind it feels like everyone's forgotten about me and which brought on so many great conversations with our students just about 2020 and feeling isolated feeling alone you know what that means um and just this throughout all of the lyrics in her song this questioning of what does she have to give what is her offering and it's shrouded in this beautiful music. And so hearing these words and then seeing her on a Zoom meeting with 60 kids who are affirming her and saying, like, this work is incredible. You're amazing. We want more of it. Where can we buy this album? You're so awesome. 
that for me was such a magical moment because I realized like we all feel that at some point. We all feel like we don't have worth or we don't have value. And creating a space where people outside can affirm your value and you can start to believe it is transformative. Game changer. And that goes back to that word community. Mm -hmm. You know, like we have to really be, um, we have to really be very consistent in our pursuit of community in the places where we want to be. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think if we just show up as a, that's not about being fake, that's not about being insincere and authentic. If we just show up in the places where our hearts tell us, that's my tribe, if that's your tribe, they will accept you. And if they don't accept you, then that just may mean that particular enclave of that tribe may not be your tribe. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's not a Philly-based tribe. Maybe you need a New York-based tribe. Maybe you need a Brooklyn-based tribe. Maybe you need an LA-based. And that's the beauty of like the internet, right? And like mm-hmm. and and Zoom and Google Meets, which get on my nerves nine days a week, like over the days. <laughs> it always yeah. gets on my nerves. It does give us this other opportunity to, at least for now, mm-hmm. build, lay some groundwork for the kind of community that will affirm the places where we want to start. Yeah. It's so important and. Also knowing that you can show up the way you feel like you want to show up because I do think there's a lot of pressure, especially on social media, especially for our young folks. And I know we're not at, what do we tell the kids yet? But that you have to show up in a very specific way. And that if everyone is doing this thing and if everyone is showing up in this way, you have to do it too. And so again, getting clear on your vision and what you want to be about, that even goes into how you show up in spaces and Girl, let me tell you, last year, I talk, you know, like one of my, it was very much so a pleasure. There was an, I felt zero guilt. I watched this show on Netflix called Pose. And Pose takes place in the 80s and it's all about this community of trans, it's mostly trans women, who all were very clear. They wanted to be mothers, they wanted to be sisters, they wanted to be aunts, they wanted to be designers, they wanted to be, you know, beautiful, they wanted to be queens and divas, and they wanted to change how that looked on on any given night, right? Like they would come together in community together and they would reinvent themselves and they would challenge each other to be even bolder in their reimaginings of themselves. And they would leave that community and they would be together. And those of them who really as children always knew they wanted they didn't want to be fathers, they wanted to be mothers. They became the mothers that they dreamed of when they were kids, even though their parents may have beaten them, may have rejected them, even though it meant that in order to live in that community in the 80s, that they had to, you know, sometimes resort to using their bodies as capital as a way of surviving because no no industry would accept them as they were outside of sex work. And I learned so much from that show about choosing who I am. The, the, the stories, it, it, may, it actually makes me almost want to cry just thinking about this show because it was so, one, it was so transformative in helping me to just understand and just see with more clarity the struggles of trans women and how much work they've done for all women, all people who identify as women. But it also just was just like, girl, you figure out how you want to be in the world and then you claim that and then you live in that way, the end, the end. And so that, and, and it was all about start first. So much of what they did was about like them just saying like, I'm gonna start with lipstick. I'm gonna start with buying a pair of high heels. I'm gonna start with buying a sequin bag and playing and starting in private. And then the more they, they, they really found joy in that start, the more they were like, I need to find this in community. Mm. I need to make a community. 
I need to make my family. I need to be, if I want to be a mother, I need to get me some kids. I need to find people who want a mother because they, they know the rejection I feel. I'm going to start with being a mother to someone else. Oh, it's a girl with so much beauty. Can't even take it. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's why my church community has been so essential mm-hmm. to me, especially jumping into motherhood, just because there is this alignment of values that I haven't experienced as strongly with a group of people in one physical space. Like we all pretty much live in the same neighborhood and being able to have that rich acceptance of who we are and the mess of who we are and the beauty of who we are, but then also people reminding you of who you truly are, what you're made for, affirming those um, giftings you have. It really is so important to have that, to have that community. It is. It really is. It really, really, it really, really, really is. And that's one thing in 2021. I hope that, I hope that that comes into my life in, in new ways. I hope that comes really organically into my life in new ways. <laughs> so what do we tell the kids about starting? Do you want to go first? Sure. Uh, yeah, sure. I didn't have, I don't have a, you know, it's like every time we talk, like, I have no preconceived notion yeah. of what's going to emerge. Like, you know, I, I, as a person who started to really listen to other podcasts, I'm like, sometimes they feel, they feel beautifully scripted, you yeah. know? And I'm just like, we don't script. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, I don't know. Yeah. Um, y'all, this is just like the real. This just shows that we can never stop talking. You and I. <laughs> I mean, we shouldn't, or we just could. We just. I can't. just think we don't have any trouble talking. Yes. About anything. Yes. About anything, and moving even that conversation just now before we get into this last segment of moving from talking about trans people to talking about church community. You know, like on the, on one yeah. level that seems like such a juxtaposition, but this 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 mutual understanding we have that communities can exist simultaneously without a need to, if, to of imposing hierarchy, you yeah. know, recognizing the validity in all of these communities and what they give for people that is of good. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's one thing that we should tell the kids, yeah. that community, starting is about finding community, starting is about contributing to community, starting is about collaborating. It's about, it's about like everything else in life. It's about recognizing that you will feel fear that fear is a valid and real part of the process of doing something that stretches you. And that part of starting is stepping into all the challenge that comes with being stretched. And, and part of that, that taffying of starting is inviting other people who love you, who are rooting for you to be a part of your own evolution. And, and that, that's where there's, I, I can tell the kids, I will tell Hannah, there is so much magic in that. Mm-hmm. And that, that is like, there's a special, special experience of living in, in all of those pieces of the start. That's so beautiful. I think what I would tell the kids and what I tell my students when they're trying something new is don't sabotage your effort before you, you've even began. Don't walk in with your preconceived notions of what your abilities are and what your restrictions are, dive into the thing and let that teach you. Um, And let others also contribute to your ideas of what you can and cannot do in a positive way. And that goes back to what you say about community. But 
I do think starting, um, it's a first step of many steps, like you said. And you'll never know what the journey will take you on if you don't start the journey. And they're they so beautiful, these journeys that, that are in front of us. There's so much beauty in the journeys that we don't even know are waiting for us to discover, to be discovered. All right, it's 2021, y'all. Yeah. Let's, let's start. Just start. Let's start. I would love if folks would reach out and tell us what they're starting. Yes, please. Tell us what they're what you're starting. If you want some encouragement, if you want some affirmation that it's that it that you you know you should be you know just going for it, let us know. Say hello. Email us. DM us. Um, or leave a comment on this on this particular episode if you'd like. Just let us know what you're working on. We're here for it. We're here for you. We're here for it. We're here for it. Mm-hmm. Yep. The School for Disruptors is recorded in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, produced and edited by us with music from Laura O'Shea. You can catch up with O'Shea on Instagram at It's Pronounced O'Shea, and you can also catch us there at School for Disruptors, or send us an email, schoolfordisruptors at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.